Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. No fear, no political correctness, no wokeism. You're listening to Underground USA. Here's this morning's segment on Talk Back with Chuck Wilder, as broadcast on CRN Digital Talk Radio. Everybody's talking at me. CRN Digital Talk Radio. Chuck Wilder here. I have Swade at the network. We are live across America and around the world at CRNTalk.com. Right now, I want to introduce my guest, Mr. Frank Savato, host of the Underground USA podcast, heard everywhere podcasts are heard, and he can be heard twice weekly on the Captain's America Third Watch, syndicated nationally on the Salem and Genesis Communication affiliate stations. His website, www.undergroundusa.com. Hello, Frank. How are you doing, sir? Mr. Wilder. Mr. Sabato, yes. This way has been going on for 30 years, yes, it seems like. Uh, <laughs> you okay? You know, every day on this side of the sod is a good day, Chuck. Carpe diem is all I was going to say. I was going to say, but every once in a while you run across something, you go, oh, my goodness, what in the world are they talking about? And that's what we're going to talk about, something that you ran across that they were talking about. You know, if you were looking back to see if I was looking back to see, if you were looking back to see, yeah, that's where I just went, right there. Uh, you said you were killing time surfing through some social media feeds, and when you came upon a comment to a post on term limits that was jadedly negative, quote, term limits will solve almost nothing. Prove me wrong, the comment read. Well, needless to say, they... Sent a little message, proved me wrong to the wrong guy, <laughs> because I, you, you, uh, you did uh, decide to comment on this, didn't you? Yes. It's impossible to to grasp to grasp his comment with any kind of sincerity. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, term limits will do something good for the country. Whenever you have a professional class of people doing something that's supposed to be citizen based, your citizenry isn't served. When you've got people who are in office for 25, 30, 35, 40, and in some cases, 48 years oh, yeah. in federal <laughs> office. And, and then we wonder why nothing changes in Washington. We can't exist in a state of incredulousness because of the gridlock and because of the partisanship in Washington when the same people get sent back for 50 years. You just can't be surprised. If you're continually surprised at that, then you're, you're just not paying attention. Well, originally, President Washington, that would be the first one there, listeners, he had the, the right idea, and he uh, sort of knew the way it should go. And what was his? His was a two-term presidency. Uh, but 
Was he? Did he ever just come right out and say how long you can serve? No, and that wasn't that wasn't actually codified until way later after FDR. You know, FDR served way more than two terms, yeah. and and that's when people said, you know, the presidency should be two terms and that's it. And they codified that into the Constitution, but they, you know, the people doing the codifying just conveniently left themselves out. They they didn't want to extend the term, you know, extend the term limits to Congress and 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 members of cabinets and things like that, members of agencies and departments. They just said, yeah, just the president. You know, Washington, they wanted Washington to be king. There, there were some people that yeah, said yeah. He, could, he could be king, and he said, absolutely not. That's, we just got finished with a despotic monarchy. You <laughs> know, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm going back to the farm. Yeah, and I know that, uh, you know, just from what I very little paid attention to in history class, you know, is that when they came over here, you know, they never wanted to go back again, you know, to be put under that rule again. And then it was like most of the Congress critters were farmers, just like uh, soldiers, you know. And once you did what you had to do, you go back and start working on your farm again. It wasn't a 365-day job. Right. It was a. It was a. It was literally a part-time Congress. Mm-hmm. You look at Adams was a farmer um, and a lawyer. As a matter of fact, uh, Jefferson had a had a plantation. Um, Washington had a plantation. These people were they had jobs, and that's what connected them to the people so well. Today, when you've got somebody who's been in office for forty eight, Patrick Leahy, forty eight years, forty eight yeah. years, Chuck Schumer, forty two years, Mitch McConnell, forty two years. Hey, wait I mean, just it's a un- minute now. Uh, you know, how much did you say for Mitch? Because I have your list 42. here. Hang on. Let me let me hit your list. Oh, I'm so, I, 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 yeah. I stand corrected. 38 years for Mitch. Okay. He's Here's just, the he's list. Just a, he's just a spring yeah. chicken. Yeah, he is. Here's the list here, okay? You tell me if I hit one wrong, okay? Are you ready? Chuck no, Schumer, 42 years. All right. Nancy Pelosi, 136 years. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it, doesn't it? <laughs> Actually, it's uh, 36 going on 38. <laughs> yeah. Mitch McConnell, okay, 38 years. Steny Hoyer, 42 years. Chuck Grassley, 42 years. Patrick Leahy, apparently he's been laying around a long time, 48 years. Now, he's he's probably holding the record right now. Is that right? Uh, he, right now, yeah. He's the longest-serving okay. member of Congress right now. Ed Markey, 46 years. Ron Wyden, 42 years. Dick Durbin, 40 years. And Marcy Kaptur has served in the electric federal office for 40 years. But the list does go on, you know. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't even weigh heavy on the, on the people who were just in their 30s and over 25 years. Yeah. And that, is a, that, that number is, is quite disturbing. So, you know, when when we have this this moment, these moments of I can't believe that nothing's happening in Washington, that, that all these people are so connected to big bankers and special interests. How could this mm-hmm. how could this happen? These lobbyists must be so potent. Well, when you're there for 40 years or 30 years or even 20 years, you give these lobbyists and these bankers and these globalists and these special interests all the time in the world a career in any other field to get their talents into you. Yeah. If they had to start over every four, six, or, or even eight years, 
they wouldn't be so entrenched. K Street wouldn't be so entrenched in the inside Capitol Hill. So th- there's a lot of benefits for term. You know, also, uh, I think here, Frank, that, that uh, like, for example, Schumer, okay, one of my least favorite, uh, 42 years. So if people come up to you and, and they say, hey, Chucky, not me, of course, hey, Chucky Schumer, uh, you need to get out of office, man. He goes, oh, no, 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 I got at least six more years just to catch up with Patrick Leahy. And now well, Patrick Leahy, he's going to be going, you know, 53 years or whatever. He might break the record, right? Well, yeah, you're going to I, – I think he's in competition with Strom Thurmond. I can't remember how many years he had on, but it was mm-hmm. just a ridiculous number, too. Wow. When you think of the average career in the United States, in, the, in any other industry, in any other business, you know, we celebrate the 20-year retirement. You put in 20 years, here's the gold watch. Some people are putting in 23, 25, so, they get, so their pension is a little bit bigger, especially if you're like a first responder or something like that. But nobody would think about 40 years unless you own the business or it's a family-owned business, mm-hmm. no one would think about 48 years in, in a career. But this is just what the aphrodisiac of power does to people. Well, you really sum it up very, very well here. And by the way, uh, listener, the title of this is, Of Course Term Limits Matter. How Could They Not? Okay. And listen to this. You say, you write, that would be the one and only Frank Savato. And when you examine these names, you see that every one of them is a political animal, a politician beholden first to their parties, then to the narratives their party mandate, then to the special interests that fund and fill the coffers of both their campaigns and parties, then to their re-elections, and then maybe, just maybe, they take the time to direct staff to send out a form letter responses to their constituents' letters and emails and that's only if there's time between the $1,000-a-plate fundraisers and unnecessary taxpayer-funded political junkets. Well, why didn't you just tell it like you thought it was there, Frank? <laughs> well, I mean, I really, I'm just, I'm just documenting exactly what happened. Right, absolutely. Your, your politician will get onto the stump every election year and tell you everything he's going to do for you and reach out to me. I, mean, I, I have an open-door policy. You can contact yeah. me anytime. I'm concerned about your well-being. And then the second that the votes are cast and counted and he, retains, he or she retains office or gets elected to office, the political machine takes over and try to get an audience right. with, your, oh, yeah. your, with your elected official. It doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, uh, I know a lady out here on the, east, on the West Coast, uh, you know, that uh, really gets involved in uh, immigration, right? And it's the same thing. They'll talk to you for a little while, and then all of a sudden when things start heating up, uh, no, I just don't have time. I just don't have time. Well, you kind of uh, touched on it a while ago, and we got about three minutes before the break, about how all of this came about. And you're saying it started with Franklin D. Roosevelt, right? The industrialization of our, of our federal government started mm-hmm. with Wilson and, and Roosevelt, yeah, because okay. they decided that they wanted to bring in experts Instead of relying on, on elected officials to actually craft meaningful and potent legislation, he, they started bringing in experts to the executive branch departments and agencies and cajoling the members of Congress to just generally create the bills and let the regulatory process of the executive branch actually fish out the minutiae of everything. When we pivoted to that kind of a centralized government, which is what we have today, 
we literally cemented the industrialization of our federal government. It's an apparatus that, that just keeps going without us. So the only job of somebody in Congress is to get reelected. That's job one, priority one, is to get reelected. And if that's the job, then you end up being there for 40, 50 years, 30 years. And that's not the way it was supposed to be. The executive branch was not supposed to be the ones creating regulations with the power of law. Congress was supposed to create the laws. The executive branch was supposed to execute them. We, we've gotten so far away from that, it's, it's on its yeah. head. We have an administrative state is what we have, yeah. run by the and executive branch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Threatening the elections, of course, right. And you say, you know, originally, like uh, Wilson said, the ideal political powers and industry all of a sudden begin to take shape. Oh, we can really make money here, can't we? Boy, I'm telling you. Like they say, when you first get in, the first thing they tell you is that, you know, whenever you start saying, oh, you know what, I've got a bill here and I think we could get a bill here. No, 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 no. <laughs> what you do there, young man, young lady, or I'm sorry, young they, whatever you're identifying young as. Young they, that's yeah, right. Getting, yes. uh, you start uh, getting money so you can get reelected. That's the first thing. Don't forget we get our cut, I would imagine. Yeah, and know whose ring to kiss if you want your bill to come anywhere near the floor, because there's a political hierarchy that you need to take a knee to. It isn't about your constituents. It's about the party. You know, it seems so obvious to me more than ever before, Frank, and what you just mentioned there about what ring to kiss, so to speak. Nancy Pelosi, boy, you watch them when they get around her. You know, it's like a fear thing. And especially when they're doing the, uh, what's it called, the, the State of the Union speech, whenever yeah. she sets up there, if she's not ripping up pages, but how she glares down at you. You do not applaud on that comment. You do not pay attention. All right. Oh, well, yeah. I always she's pay attention when it's... i got to tell you, I always pay attention when it's time for a break, Frank. And I know you're getting ready to say something fantastic, and I don't want to chop it up, okay? Frank Savato, it's undergroundusa.com. And this one, of course, term limits matter. How could they not? We'll be right back. He calls democracy messy props up the Chinese Communist Party, praises Xi and his regime, known for violent oppression, invests in Chinese military companies. A defector? No. It's BlackRock CEO Larry Fink, the CEO of a major American company who's gone all in on China. Can he be more anti-American? Larry Fink, BlackRock. Taking your money, betting on China. Message paid for by Consumers Research, an independent educational 501c3 nonprofit organization. Log on to www.consumerresearch.org to learn more. Everybody's talking at me. CRN, Chuck Wilder here with Frank Savato, host of the Underground USA podcast, uh, author of six monographs examining political and ideological threats facing our country. We're getting into one of those. Don't forget his website undergroundusa.com. Sorry I had to interrupt you there, Frank, but uh, go ahead. Oh, I was, I'm just reiterating what, what you said. When you talk about Nancy Pelosi, you've got a 30-year-plus a, a despot who's got a total grip on the power of that house when it comes to her party, uh, so much so that when you look at the January 6th committee, she wouldn't even allow the minority to seat the people that they selected on that committee. She doesn't care about fairness of the process. 
Yeah. She doesn't care about justice. She only cares about how it affects her party in the next election. And some people would say, well, that's her job. She's the leader of the party in that, in that house. No, it's not her job. It's not her job to be politics and political party first. Her job is to represent her constituents. And, and when you're putting the well-being of the party before your constituents, you don't serve your constituents. You serve your party. Uh, perfect case in point. In, in the Senate, you've got Joe Manchin. And I'm, I keep hearing the rhetoric. He single-handedly torpedoed the, the President Biden's and the Democrats' uh, chances to pass this, this bill or that bill. He didn't single-handedly do anything. He joined with the, with the other side mm-hmm. to create a majority that says the country doesn't really want this. And he accurately represents his people in West Virginia. West Virginia is, is not only purple, it's starting to turn red. He's the only Democrat elected to statewide office. Case, uh, just a few decades back when he was governor. So do we serve our party or do we serve our constituency? This is one of the big reasons that the, the direct election of senators was a horrible, horrible thing to affect into the Constitution. And this happened, uh, began with, with Wilson, ended, and, and ended with, with Roosevelt once again. We took away the safeguard for the states. The Senate was supposed to, two senators were supposed to be appointed by the state legislatures. They weren't supposed to be elected by the people because that wasn't the purpose of the Senate. The purpose of the Senate was to look out for the states and to look out for the state constitutions. Therefore, the senators were appointed by the state legislatures who were elected by the people. The House was the direct chamber. For, for people in Washington, D.C. The Senate was supposed to be the chamber that served the states. And, and what Wilson and Roosevelt achieved in the, in the direct election of senators was to completely politica, politicize the system. Now parties, now parties were able to hold court in both chambers, applying pressure nationally to get things passed on a national level. Uh, and once they bastardized the Commerce Clause, to, to allow the federal government to touch every single thing in our lives and just disregard the state constitutions, we had centralized government, which is exactly what Roosevelt and Wilson wanted. Not what Washington wanted, not what the framers wanted. It's what those two hyper-left progressives wanted. And when I say progressives, understand that the American progressives were born of an American fascist movement. Wilson was a fascist. Mussolini even sent letters to Roosevelt congratulating him on his special kind of fascism. So we're the only people that, that look yeah. at fascists and think that means far right. It's not. It's very far left. And I'll tell you, Frank, uh, i got to admit, you know, that uh, before I ever, ever got into radio, uh, whenever I would hear especially the name Roosevelt, right, oh, yes, greatest president we ever had, and then I think he had a lot to do with a whole bunch of national parks, right? Didn't he uh, name more than anybody else? And so it was sort of well, like, I, uh, look how I good think I that am. Was, I, I think that was Theodore, but Franklin continued in that in that text. But oh, we okay, all remember, different Roosevelt. We, okay. we all remember Franklin, FDR, because of World War II. Yeah. That's his, that's his legacy. That and the New Deal, because the New Deal helped people during the Depression. Well, <laughs> Federal Reserve and the federal government created the Great Depression. If they wouldn't have been manipulating the money supply and trying to co the power of banks, 
we, we, it would have been much shorter lived and it would have been the, like the recession that we're about to go into. But the New yeah. Deal was decidedly socialist. It was a socialist move all the way around. They were in, infusing socialism mm-hmm. in with capitalism like AOC wants to do today. <laughs> AOC, you're you so know. kind to her. Okay, we got to take that break again, bottom of the hour, and then we get to run with it way up almost to the top, you know. This is the, the good part. And hey, we're going to talk about the mandate exists. Yeah, there are polls that show you what's going on. And it's not polls with signs on them. It's not, well, I'm not going to get into it right now. But I'll be right back with the one and only Frank Savato, host of the Underground USA podcast. He can be heard twice weekly on the Captain's American Third Watch, syndicated nationally on Salem Genesis Communications. Handcrafted exotic blend teas at the lowest shipping cost anywhere. Hi, I'm CJ, owner of the Emerald Coast Tea Company. We ship our premium gourmet blends with Sindel, offering you the lowest shipping prices anywhere, while also being carbon neutral. Excellent tea at the right price. Check us out at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mom's tea. Everybody's talking at me. Chuck Wilder, CRN, and always great comment about this come out of Frank Sabato's uh, educated mind, and we take a break. So I had to interrupt you again. But see how that is? It gives your, <laughs> gives your brain a rest. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it, I just, it just keeps it from smoking. Yeah, there you, yeah I know. Yeah. So uh, were you getting ready? What were you getting ready to comment about? And I had to interrupt you. No, I'm mean, just reiterating again what the, what we're talking about is, yeah, is the fact that it's, yeah. it, it, it is impossible. Um, it is impossible to get appropriate and, and accurate representation for the people when politics has taken over in Washington. Uh-huh. When your political party is put before you, and then this is what I was uh, you know referring to yeah. as the industrialization of our federal government, which took place began with Wilson and was affected by the, by the bureaucracy, the establishment of the bureaucracy under FDR, and it's been growing ever since. Um, the political parties take center stage where the constituents are lucky if they get a breadcrumb. And, and, and we you, have to get away from that. Yeah, and I'll tell you something, listener. This is what we're discussing today because this has driven, you might say, a March polling of 2022 that has indicated an overwhelming, and this, this is probably the highest it's ever, ever been, I would say, uh, an overwhelming 80% of Americans support instituting term limits on members of Congress. And uh, I don't think it's ever been that high. No, this is, it is peaking right now. Uh, and so, is the, so are the people who are against it. There's only 6% of the population that strongly disagrees with establishing term limits for people in Congress. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say those are all the people in Congress, the people with, with special yeah. interest connections to Congress and people who have donated to Congress, who, who have been manipulating the system away from the citizenry and more towards special interest in the connected. You know, So when you have 80% of the people in the United States saying they want term limits, that it's a good idea and we need to establish them for Congress, we need to look at this with a definitive eye and say, if it's 80%, any political animal would see that's something that the people want. Yeah. So why don't we pass it? 
Well, but well, there's been a lot of bad, bad publicity about the convention of states. See, it's that fear monger that they put into you there, right? Well, there's big money behind smearing convention of states. Mm-hmm. Big money. And it's coming from places like, uh, like George Soros, like the Clinton Foundation, like the Gates, the Bill and Linda, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, all of the usual suspect uh, super PACs and, and organizations on the left side of the aisle and some on the right side of the aisle. The establishment doesn't want this to happen. They really don't because they see it as a, as a, a neutering of the apparatus that serves them well, not the people well, but them well. So the powers that be are not for this at all, because what a convention of states would do, not only with, with just term limits, but with, with forcing a boundary for the federal government to enumerated powers when it comes to finances, taxes, and budget, and, and to limiting the bureaucracy and what they can do, those are the three subject matters that are being addressed that will result in amendments when we convene the Convention of States, it, it handcuffs the federal government dramatically from what they're doing. And right now, they do want to move us from a constitutional republic to a cog in a globalist machine. Just take a look at all of the people in Congress on both sides of the aisle who have a connection to the World Economic Forum. They exist on both sides of the aisle. you know. And the World Economic Forum is pushing the Great Reset, where they declare openly on their website by 2030 you'll own nothing and you'll be happy yeah Klaus Schwab yeah yeah talk about talk about a a reincarnation of the third Reich in Klaus Schwab yeah I have no idea why we're listening to this guy he's a totalitarian he's arrogant he's an elitist Uh, I you know this is this is what's wrong with government at every level it's all defined in Klaus Schwab and here's the thing that Frank listens, just a few subjects. Uh, so why haven't term limits been codified into the U.S. Constitution? All right. Why does the federal government continue to find new ways to tax us, new ways to encroach into our private lives, our business, our education system, and our health care, to name just a few avenues in which they have overstepped their authority? See, there's the big word there. They've overstepped their authority. And guess what? No. They don't want to stop, do they? No, the, the answer is obvious. It's, it, it is apparent to anybody who's willing to see it. They refuse to. They're incapable of doing it. They're incapable of relinqu- relinquishing power. They're addicted to it. Just like a heroin addict is addicted to, to heroin, the poison of heroin. They are addicted to power to that extent. They can't live without it. They need it. That they need it to to validate themselves to survive. It is a drug to them, and it's being pushed onto them by by special interests, by the big bankers, by the global elite. They're the pushers of this. They they're the enablers. So again, our government, which is supposed to work for the people, our Congress, which is supposed to represent our House, is supposed to represent the people of the United States in each of the districts. Our Senate, which is supposed to represent each of the states, they don't do that anymore. They're, they're representing and ruled by special interests 
both domestically and internationally. And we can thank, to a large part, the fact that we have 40, 30, 25-year people still running for re-election in both the Senate and the House who have deep ties to special interests and the global elite. Look at what Nancy Pelosi did just just the other day. Well, we're going to pass a bill about uh, about semiconductor chips. Um, we, it's been on the table. It's on the docket. It's on the agenda. It's been going through the committee. It's public knowledge. And I'm the one who gets to call it to the floor. Mm-hmm. And right before I decide to do that, my husband decides to um, mm-hmm. dump, a, dump a few million dollars into an investment. Five million, in semiconductor I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stands <laughs> to make just gobs of money. And she has the audacity to come into before the podium and say, well, we, we don't talk about that. She's lying. Yeah. She's lying. Is she the richest? I think I read that just recently. It might have been even in this column. But I, the richest of all of them, Nancy, uh, her family? That I, I know she's she's up there, but I can't speak authoritatively to that because I remember yeah. one of the Rockefellers was, was in Congress for a while, and I think they've got a tad bit more money than the Pelosi's. Well, here's the thing, okay? It sounds good until you read of how you do have uh, what we're talking about here, the uh, uh, term limits and, and uh, you know, basically Article 5 says that the Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, see, shall propose amendments to this Constitution. So it's still got to be done by Congress. We can never just vote no. that we're going to have no. an Article 5. No, there are two separate avenues to create amendments to the Constitution. Uh-huh. The first one comes through Congress, but the second one is on application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the states, and this is what Convention of the States is doing. Right. We already have 19 legislatures who have signed on to execute a Convention of States. We've got another 15 that have legislation before them this session and another, I believe, five states after that who have legislation through one half of their legislatures. We, the people, through the states, can call a convention of states to, uh, to issue amendments to the Constitution. When, the, when that convention is over and the amendments are proposed from that convention, it goes back to the states directly circumventing the federal government for ratification. So the federal government has zero to do with the convention of the states other than setting the date and the place of that convention. That's yeah. it. They have nothing to say about it. So, so the they'll say the year, the year 42-22, you can have it. They would, they would <laughs> never, the states would never put up with that. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court would never allow that either. It's, it's not a you shall, it's a you will. When we talk about the, the federal government being circumvented, we have to look at the brilliance of the framers in this. They knew at some point that there may be people elected to Congress who would want to gravitate back towards the, the, the despotism of a monarchy, of, of, a, of a central government rule like a monarchy is, a despotism is. And they wanted to give a fail-safe for the people to be able to say, no, no, no. There's a way to do it inside the, the stricture of our charters of freedom and, and our covenant with the people. 
the covenant between people and government to make the changes to rein in an out-of-control government. And that's why they put this second avenue for amending the Constitution in. Has it been done before? No, it hasn't. But I'm going to put it to the people that we've never been in this dire straits before. And its time has come. Now, one of the things that the, that the people who want to throw mud on this idea, uh-huh. the big money establishment people, they keep saying, well, it's good. do you trust people to rewrite the Constitution? We can't trust people to rewrite the Constitution, but that's, that's a false flag argument because this is not, this is not a constitutional yeah. convention. In fact, you have, you have what's listed that can only be changed, right? This is, yeah. would only it's, allow it's, the it's, states to discuss amendments that limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, impose physical restraints, and place term limits on federal officials. That kind of sounds like three or four ideas, not, you know, like, well, you can no longer uh, carry guns. No, we got to get rid of that. We got to, uh, yeah, sure. And, and, you know what I'm and, saying? That's the, and that's the beauty of the process, because each state that advances an application for a convention of states, which is what codifying it into law means when it passes the legislature, they have to, it has to be voted with the exact same language. So it's these three issues that, that are they're going before the legislatures to call a convention of states in each state. Just these three issues. Are they Limit general? the power and justification of the federal government, impose mm-hmm. physical restraints, and place mm-hmm. term limits on federal officials. That's it. That's it. So yeah. variations under that, when we talk about uh, the, the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, we're talking about the bureaucracy. Uh, you know, we need to address how they've overstepped the Commerce Clause. We need to see if anything they have done regulatory, uh, in a regulatory manner is, is invalid. We can put amendments that, that restrain their power, but it has to be within the context of that general principle. Fiscal restraints, we can have an amendment that says balanced budget. We can have an amendment that says abolish the income tax. We, we can have, a, you know, those are all fiscal restraints. So the amendments that come out, that, that can be proposed at this convention are many, as long as they're within those three specific areas. Maybe we could then, add, uh, Frank, uh, put in there a right to have a hearing before you get locked up permanently. Maybe we could put that in there somewhere because, you know, so, January 6th. So I think they've ignored that one. Yes, okay. <laughs> I, 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 you, could, you could argue that that would fall under limiting the power and the jurisdiction of the federal government. Yeah. But, but you know, I put, it, I put it to you that what's happening to the people who have been locked up um, since January 6th, over January 6th, uh, who have been held in solitary confinement, mm-hmm. who, have, who have been denied their their constitutional right to due process and a speedy trial, that their constitutional rights are being violated by the federal government. Um, it's time loss, It's time deep-pocket, honest, sincere organizations start filing lawsuits on their behalf and fast-track that to the Supreme Court because this is a violation of, of their constitutional rights to a speedy trial and due process. Yeah. There's no question about it. We don't necessarily need a, a new amendment. We need to make sure that yeah, that our judicial system is mm-hmm. is following the rules, right? For some reason, I just <clears throat> almost put ninety percent of the blame on that lockup and what's going on. Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, 
are whoever's pulling the strings for Joe Biden, the puppet. It is a cabal. And, and I know that that sounds almost conspiratorial because of the tone of the word, but it by definition is what it is. It's a it's a group of people who are who are have gathered together to use any means necessary to achieve their goals. In this light, it is a political goal. You can make the argument that the people who are being targeted for January 6th are falling under political persecution. We don't do this in the United States of America. We don't. They do it in in Z's China. They do it in Putin's Russia. They do it in in Maduro's Venezuela. They do it in Castro's Cuba. But we're not supposed to be doing that here in the United States. That's why speedy trials are codified into an amendment to the Constitution. And the federal government is just ignoring that to an extreme. So why aren't they being held accountable? Because the Justice Department has been politicized. It's being used as a political weapon to benefit, again, a political party over the people. And the mainstream news, you know, just one of the communist uh, goals is take over the news. So here you got the January 6th hearing on every major news except, you know, I guess Newsmax and, I mean, uh, One American News and uh, Fox. Yeah, you know, Fox has touched on it just barely, but they have to. But, oh, boy, I'll tell you, Frank, let's take a break. (laughs) Yes, Frank Savato undergroundusa.com we're going to be back wrap things up in just a moment even with a disclaimer American Express, investigated by the U.S. government, caught processing a Soviet-era politician's dirty money, paid hundreds of millions in fines for deceiving customers. Rather than clean up their act, American Express has gone woke. Employees say people are promoted and told to offer lower premiums based on race. Amex administered critical race theory training that told employees capitalism is racist. American Express, serve your customers, not woke politicians. Visit unamericanexpress.com. This message was paid for by Consumers Research, a 501c3 educational advocacy group. To learn more, log on to consumersresearch.org. Everybody's talking at me. CRN, Chuck Wilder with Frank Savato. He's host of the Underground U.S. podcast, USA podcast. Uh, and that's heard everywhere podcasts are heard. He is also can be heard twice weekly on the Captain's America Third Watch, syndicated nationally, Salem Genesis Communications. And his website is undergroundusa.com. And this latest one here is, uh, I'm telling you, uh, I am telling you, of course term limits matter. How could they not? And uh, let's get into this. uh, Basically, we're urging everyone to go to the uh, Convention of States Action and read about the initiative. Yeah, it's uh, I, when you read about it, because I remember not long ago, Chuck, I mean, a couple of years back, we were talking about this and I had reservations. You know, I had I had actually drank the Kool-Aid of, so of the far left smear machine. And when I took the time, because I was writing a piece about it, when I took the time to learn what it was about and the boundaries that it has and what it seeks to achieve specifically, uh, there was n- no way. It just completely dashed everything that I thought that I was concerned about, and and it moved me to actually get involved. Now, I, I've got to make a, a very hard disclaimer here. 
because yeah. Convention of States Action is a 501c3 organization. Okay, so they do not they do not uh, support or detract from any political candidate or political party. Okay, they they don't support the Republicans, they don't support the Democrats, they don't uh, advocate for an election of somebody, and they don't advocate for the the officing of somebody. I need to make that clear. When I am talking about political things on your show or in my writing or on any show that I go on to, I'm not speaking on behalf of Convention of States, even though I've taken a role as a state communications coordinator for Florida. My my job there is simply to advance the fact that Convention of States exists, it's happening, and I ask you to learn about it, get involved, sign the petition, sign the, the, the letters to your that, that are that are on the website for you to get to your legislative officials to urge them to support a convention of states. It's not political, it's constitutional. It's about the constitution. And it's about the survival of our constitutional republic. So the politics that I talk about is me, Frank Silvato, and Underground USA talking. When I talk about Convention of the States, I'm talking about the effort, and that is nonpartisan and not political. You know, and, and actually, it's not political if you mention, you know, how long these people have been serving, you know, no, and why term, term limits, you know. Because it's, uh, you know, you can go to Mitch McConnell. I think he's a Republican. You can go to Nancy Pelosi, and I'm not really sure what she is. <laughs> but I know yeah, Chuck yeah. Schumer. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's it's everybody's involved in this. And i got to admit, I used to say, oh, no, don't mess with the Constitution. My right. goodness. You know, next thing you know, you'll tear up the Bill of Rights. And you'll, you know, yeah, you've got to think it out. And we hope we've yeah. uh, put a little bit of enlightenment in uh, in this discussion. Hey, Frank, appreciate it very much, sir. Look um, forward to our next meeting. Absolutely. Talk to you soon, Chuck. All right. UndergroundUSA.com. Frank Savato, S-A-L-V-A-T-O. Hey, uh, thank you, Courtney. Thank you. Goodness, what was his name? Let's see. Courtney was there. Yeah, Courtney, Courtney, Courtney. Hmm. Oh, yes, Swade. Thank you, Swade. And... Uh, God bless the United States of America. Please like the episode on the platform you're listening to us on, leave a comment if it lets you, and share us with your friends and family. Our influence grows when you share our podcast. And don't forget to sign up for our Substack, which comes directly to you, subverting the interference of the Internet gatekeepers and social media censors. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. We'll be right back after this. Hey, this is Judson Carroll of the Southern Appalachian Herbs Podcast. My new book, Growing Your Survival Herb Garden for Preppers, Homesteaders, and Everyone Else, is really for everyone. No matter where you live, whether you're in a homeowners association or you have a nice big farm, or even if all you have is a balcony and an apartment, you can grow the herbs you need for your health, for your family's health, and be ready to face any circumstance that comes your way. I make growing herbs easy, practical, 
and fun, actually. So look for this book. It's on Amazon if you want a print copy, or you can contact me directly for an ebook. Find me at judsoncarroll.com. Thanks, and I know you will enjoy this. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.